Hello, and welcome to the Community Mennonite Church Podcast. This week's sermon is by Pastor Jennifer Davis-Sensenig. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In February, I clipped some forsythia stems and set them in water and forced them indoors. The little yellow flowers burst from their buds a couple of weeks ago and then came some green leaves, and the flowers began to die, so I removed the bouquet. But now I'm really hungry for spring. For what are you hungry? What are you craving? Some in our congregation are hungry for more quiet contemplation and CMC is beginning an evening contemplative worship service, the first being tonight at 8 p.m. And there's also a contemplative prayer group on Thursday mornings during Lent from 8 to 8.30. Some of us are hungry for lunch, weirdly, because in the process of springing forward, we miss breakfast. But we made it to church on time, so... Some of us are hungry for meaning, right, in, in the complex and sometimes chaotic world that is within us or around us. Some in the U.S. are so hungry for change in national leadership that, what, 18 people have announced their candidacy for the 2020 presidential election. Some in Harrisonburg are physically hungry. Blessed hunger, holy feast. This is our Lent theme this year. What is blessed hunger? Now, some of our appetites aren't good for us at all, right? We crave power over others. We lust after people. Our mouths water over indulgent foods and indulgent experiences and stuff and stuff that fills us but doesn't fulfill us. If we're already too full of food and tasks and responsibilities and experiences and stuff, we might need to ask God to bless us with hunger. So during Lent, we might give up some distractions and slow down, quiet down, and pay attention to our hunger for a renewed and vital relationship with God, both individually and as a church. Now, to be clear, we're perfectly free to ignore Lent altogether. You can't ignore Daylight Savings Time, but you, have, you don't have to pay attention to Lent. Um, if you pay no attention to Lent during this church year, you will suffer no social stigma whatsoever. Uh, but if you're in, or even if you're curious, if you're hungry for a renewed and vital relationship with God, if you need to get in touch with your blessed hunger, then here's Lent. 
Our scriptures each week, as Pastor Dana was saying, identify our hunger and our desperation. Our scriptures look at people who have been resisting empire for generations, people who have been seeking relationship with the living God, people who desire right relationships among each other and with the earth. If that's you, then this is for you. This is Lent. This hunger you feel may be a blessed gift from the Spirit of God. Israel was hungry for a renewed and vital relationship with God. Even though the, the part from De- Deuteronomy 26 that we heard is about Israel in the wilderness, this writing likely emerged during a much later attempt at national reform, maybe during the time of King Josiah. You see, after 40 years in the wilderness, Israel became a nation, right? With kings and idols and armies and economic disparities like all the other nations. As a whole, the book of Deuteronomy became especially important after the Babylonian exile, when Israel lost their land and their temple and many of their people and lost their identity and purpose. They were stricken with a collective hunger for meaning. A lot of their theology no longer was working. Their future was terribly uncertain. They were hungry for God. And this writing, Deuteronomy, it means second law, Deuteronomos, this uh, book of Deuteronomy is kind of a revision of Israel's story of the eternal God delivering them from empire and giving them a place and a purpose in the world. It's a hungry people who reviews and critiques their own history and theology. In the passage we heard this morning, Israel imagines themselves back on that threshold of the the promised land, on the threshold of Canaan, God's promised future, and rather than just conquering Canaan by divine right, they see themselves as the descendants of wandering Arameans, a nomadic people. And Israel themselves is among the aliens, the strangers, the immigrants. They bring the first fruits of the land, yes, as symbolic gifts to God, and also as a literal legal requirement for sharing the land and the fruit of the land with the very least among them, the strangers, the immigrants, the landless Levites. You know, people like us who live in a valley taken from Siwan and Algonquin and Muscogean tribes need divine help to discover alternatives to imperial exploitation of land and people because it runs deep in our history. Societies like ours who mercilessly militarize our borders need to revise our identity and purpose because empire is failing and will fall. It always does. Nations like ours who produce racialized economic, educational, health, and justice disparities have choices to make. Now, I'm not suggesting that we mimic Deuteronomy 26 as if it's a blueprint for 
21st century uh, Christian faith, literally mimicking Deuteronomy would be ridiculous and deadly. Have you read all of Deuteronomy? (laughs) There's stuff in this book we do not want to do. But this is profound, ancient storytelling. It's, It's course correction among the people of God when empire is a dead end, when there is a challenge before us and a choice to make. The good news is that the God who brought a people out of the Egyptian empire leads us today in the name of Jesus into freedom from evil, freedom from empire and racism and materialism and militarism and all oppression. The adult education class that uh, studied racial equity in the church the last quarter is bringing some recommendations to our congregational leadership so that in the challenges we face as a congregation, a predominantly white church, we make choices informed by anti-racist theology and practice. Our scriptures have a liberating function and we want to pay attention to what, we're, what we've been learning in this class together. Like Israel, Jesus was also hungry. Jesus was baptized into the first century resistance to empire by John the Baptist. Now there was a radical. He had departed from um, the powers that be and business as usual. And when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit landed on him like a bird. Right after that, our Savior, Jesus, was harassed and tempted. The devil tried to confuse him about his purpose, to throw him off his game, and to compromise his identity and purpose. Like Israel, and like Jesus, We, too, have an identity and purpose given to us by God. I don't know. I mean, our identity, we're the church. (laughs) That's who we are. Our, Our purpose, maybe sort of a quick and dirty way to describe our purpose, is to love God and love our neighbor as Jesus did. How many of us might have been harassed or tempted or confused this week about our identity and purpose? It's easy to get thrown off our game. It's easy to compromise who we are and what we're to be about. Some of you know that I've been learning uh, biblical storytelling, just like Jim here, and um, you shared so beautifully this morning. Thank you for blessing us with um, the scripture in that way. I'm also learning about storytelling through community organizing. I was recently uh, co-facilitating a leadership clinic at Anabaptist Mennonite Biblical Seminary in Indiana with two colleagues in faith-based organizing, and one of them was the Reverend uh, Jaward Barnes. Jaward explained that the stories that change the world, he's a... um, powerful preacher. I knew he was talking about uh, stories in scripture as well as the stories of our lives. But he said that stories that change the world, the stories for which we are truly hungry, 
have this pattern of challenge, choice, and an outcome. So for example, the story we heard in Deuteronomy has a challenge. How are we going to live in the promised future that God has for us? Because Israel's been living in the wilderness for 40 years. That's more than a generation. That's all they know. The choice for Israel is whether they're going to worship God with the first and best of the fruit of the land. And the outcome, and you know the story, it's mixed, right? The short-term outcome is that the folks who enter the land credit God with delivering on the promised future by displacing the people who were already in the land. The long-term outcome is that generations later, when Israel's attempt at controlling people and land has exposed you know, their idolatry and injustice and, and violence, they imagine themselves back at the threshold and they want to revise their story. They want to tell more of the truth. So in Deuteronomy, rather than building themselves up as a nation with kings and idols and armies and economic disparities like all the other nations, Israel identifies with the wandering Aramean ancestor. Israel identifies with the oppressed, the needy, the hungry, the immigrant, the landless. Israel identifies as a people still in need of rescue by God. The gospel story we heard today also has this pattern of challenge, choice, and outcome. I love this one, super clear, right? Jesus is led to the wilderness by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, and then he's challenged by another spirit, the devil, who tries to divide Jesus from his true identity and purpose. In fact, this passage has three cycles of this challenge, choice, and outcome. Jesus is literally hungry, so the devil tempts him to turn a stone to bread to satisfy himself. Why, why not? I mean, God gave Israel manna in the wilderness. And Jesus later, he's going to feed crowds with just a few loaves of bread. Will Jesus escape his human condition, his human hunger, and serve himself? No. Jesus chooses a blessed hunger rather than privileging himself. The outcome? Jesus won, the devil zero. The second challenge for Jesus is to give up his allegiance to God. I mean, that doesn't sound very likely, right? But it is a real temptation. Doesn't Jesus want to have influence and authority in all the kingdoms of the world? What is his choice, though? Jesus refuses the devil's offer, remains faithful, and he announces a new kind of kingdom altogether without the dominance and exploitation. Jesus too, the devil zero. And in the first two challenges, Jesus defends his choice with scripture from Deuteronomy. But in the third challenge, the devil uses scripture as a weapon against Jesus' identity and purpose. I don't know what you believe about the devil, 
but somebody is using scripture as a weapon. It's been used to deny the gifts and full humanity of women and people who are not white and people who identify as LGBTQ. The devil has been challenging the body of Christ for generations. I guess we won't completely get into this third challenge, but you remember this one, right? Jesus wins. The devil is 0 for 3. In the short term, in this episode, Jesus is victorious. He wins the contest. He's the debater extraordinaire. Jesus defeats evil. And yet throughout his life, there are many times, so many times, just like us, when Jesus himself is hungry, he goes often. He, he goes alone sometimes. He goes with a few friends to pray, to seek God, to know again his identity and purpose. And in the long term, Jesus doesn't escape the devil's weapons. Jesus is betrayed by his own friends. He's crucified. When I think about it, the outcome of Jesus' life is both death and resurrection. So no wonder it is so easy to reject Jesus as God's rescue from evil and sin and empire. Jesus was tempted in the desert. Let's sing some of that story. Thank you for listening to the Community Mennonite Church podcast. Our theme music is a setting of John Wesley's text, Jesus, I Believe You're Near, composed by Matt Carlson. Jeremy Nafziger arranged it for strings. To learn more about our congregation or to plan a visit, please check out our website at cmcva.org.